Welcome to the Holy Smokes Podcast, a show about faith, friendship, fine tobacco, and drink. I'm Steve Ryder in Franklin, Tennessee, and I am at Crown Cigars and Ales here in the Franklin area, and I'm sitting with... David, I'm not quite sure where we met. Was it on one of the, um, the virtual herfs at the, right at the beginning of COVID? Is that... It was, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I'm with David Osk who lives up in, you said Hendersonville, which is northeast? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, Hendersonville is kind of known for being the, the hometown of Johnny Cash. So there's Johnny Cash Parkway that goes through Hendersonville, and he had a, a home on the lake up there. Actually, it, it burned down uh, several years back, but yeah, it's a, it's a small community on the north side. I love it. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in a little town in Minnesota called Glenwood, and it's uh, about 100 miles northwest of Minneapolis. Has uh, one stoplight, and how big? A, a lot of cows. Um, about 2,500. Okay. So yeah. About twice the size of my hometown. Is it really? Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you get it. Yeah, it's it's a different, a very different existence. I, I often talk about my, you know the comparing my kids upbringing you know being next to a, a pretty large city here in nashville you know versus my experience growing up um i mean even before i was 18 i think i only went to you know minneapolis st paul area maybe five or six times yeah and uh you know so it was my life was very small and of course my kids uh experience as teenagers you know thus far is they're, they've been exposed to a whole lot more than I was growing up, for sure. So what kind of a kid were you growing up? What kind of family did you grow up in? So my um, uh, dad actually owned his own metal fab shop. Okay. And uh, so he was a welder and fabricator most of my life. He, he worked for uh, a, a farm dealership for a long time well, when I was really young. But then he started his own business when I was probably... 11 or 12 mm-hmm. and um, and then my mom uh, just retired a couple years ago she was actually a, a music teacher but privately um, pretty much the whole time so she taught piano voice and uh, beginner violin and guitar and things like that but mainly uh, piano and voice so yeah siblings yeah I'm the youngest of three um, oddly enough my both of my siblings live here really so yeah we were my, my sister and I, so I was, I guess, three grades uh, behind my sister and four behind my brother. And um, my sister and I started uh, doing some music together And when I was, like, later on in high school and uh, doing concerts and, you know, singing in churches and things like that. And then we moved here together. So she and um, her husband and I moved here in 1994 just to get closer to the music scene you know we just absolutely loved singing and you know creating and things like that so it was just a really kind of a neat season just to after high school I went to a a year at a college in Minnesota and then transferred to Belmont and uh, but it's here we are 28 years later and it's home so yeah so Belmont what's your study um, so my first semester, I was a vocal performance major, and then I realized that if I needed something to fall back on, if that didn't work, I decided to go into business. So I just changed, and the truth of the matter is, is I studied voice, you know, well, even after Belmont, you know, privately for a while, but then just really, I don't know, I, it's one of those things, I think I realized back then, either you can... Uh, you know, do music or you can't. And some, the education piece for me at the time didn't seem like it was going to really benefit me as far as my musicality goes. And I knew that to be more of a success, if you will, I needed to know the nuts and bolts of the the music business, as it were. And so I changed to a business major after that. What was it that drew you into business? You know, it's funny. I was telling a buddy of mine this the other day. So I started my first company when I was... um, 15 and just I had always had an entrepreneurial mind and desires really? to 
Yeah, to I, I think in some ways to, to kind of follow in my parents' you know footsteps. They were both self-employed, and at the same time, I I just loved the idea of well, really, sky's the limit. You know, when you're self-employed, you get to dictate your success. You know, as opposed to in, in most cases, if you're working for someone else, you're um, you're kind of capped out. And so I I think early on I. You know, I'd sit in my bedroom and start running numbers and think, man, if I could actually sell this many, you know, services at the time, you know, man, that that actually is, you know, yeah, it's more possible to get rich that way. So that's kind of, you know, at, at 15 years old, that's, I was already thinking in, on those terms. What kind of dreams did you have in, in college or even high school about that? Any, any idea what you wanted to kind of, what you were thinking about? Um... You know, yes and no. So I, it was funny because right after school, I, you know, I, I thought, man, of course, at the time, and this is 1996, there was a lot of people, you know, doing very well selling records, right? So I'm, at the time, I'm thinking, man, I, I can, uh, I can give people goosebumps. And then, and to be honest, it was one of those things where, hey, I'm on my own here, and I need to make a living. And I want to make a good living, and um, so my I think my dreams were a bit more uh, business oriented, if you will, as opposed to where most people that I was hanging out with at the time that were musicians were creatives, mm-hmm. and they were way more into their craft um, and passionate about music and so on. Really, and I think I don't know if I would even you know would have been able to even. I vocalized that at the time, no pun intended, but I was way more interested in the business end of things. And so, yeah, I, I, I love music and I love what music does, but at the same time, I like the opportunities that business can create, not only for myself, right, but for other people too, so, yeah. So what did you do after school? So my, it was interesting, um, shortly after that, I, um, I met uh, my wife who, you know, we've been married 23 years. And um, at that time, my priorities kind of shifted, meaning that I, a lot of people that I was hanging out with said yes to everything and thus, you know, kind of lived, you know, I mean, I literally had friends that were almost homeless. I mean, they were doing what they loved. They were, you know, playing music all the time, but they weren't making any money doing it. Yeah. And... And I, you know, I grew up, you know, I'm not going to say poor, but at the same time, you know, we didn't have much. And I, I just didn't want to, you know, be wondering where the next paycheck was coming from. So I actually ended up getting into facilities management with a large retail chain and ended up doing that for about 17 years. But what was great about it is it had a lot of flexibility. So really? I could pretty much sing, you know, whenever I want. I would take off in the afternoons and go do a session you know, leave early on Fridays and go somewhere and, you know, do a concert and things like that. So I, I liked the, the assurance that, you know, I was able to provide for, you know, my family, you know, at, at the time and have some, some certainty. And at the same time was really grateful I got to be creative and yeah. have those experiences too. 17 years, where'd you go after that? So during that time, I actually... Uh, long story short, my brother-in-law called me one day and he said, "Hey, hey, Osk, where do I get a thermostat cover with a combination? I mean, yeah, where do I get a thermostat cover with a combination lock?" And he was doing—he um, was working in South Florida for banks that had foreclosed properties. And so, what was funny is—is is technically that was his idea. So he called me and he—you know—he said, "All of my." Uh, all the agents keep losing the keys for these thermostats. So when the bank would get the property up for sale, agents would go in and show it, right? Well, they would, of course, want the house, this is in South Florida, so they'd want the house when they're showing it to be just perfectly cooled and they'd drop the temperature to 60 degrees, you know, something like that. So the banks started throwing stat guards on everything and then they would lose the keys. So he and I at the time went into business together and uh, you know, created a, a company around this product, you know, which is a thermostat guard with a combination lock. So, anyway, um, I ended up buying him out a few years after that. Um, he moved 
from Florida to Nashville and and got really busy doing construction. So I kind of took the ball and, and ran with it at that point. So. Well, you ask, you know, what I did, of course, you know, right after when I when I left, you know, facilities management, it was because of that product that I was able to kind of transition to being self-employed. And um, at the time, kind of scary, but at the same time, super exciting. And um, so this was. uh, Yeah. What year was that? So this was only four years ago. Really? Yeah. So um, the first, you know, the last few years that I was, you know, with this company, Again, the flexibility was so nice because I could still do music when I wanted. But then at the same time, man, I had a product that I knew would sell because it was just a better mousetrap. So it was a long process of kind of understanding how to scale that. But uh, um, yeah, it was nice to be able to jump ship and be self-employed at that point. What was your, what has been your greatest stumbling block thus far? Besides COVID, we, we had talked before. Yeah. You had said COVID was really giving you trouble. Had really giving you trouble. Maybe still is. But what's been your biggest stumbling block in getting this idea out there, this product out there? By far, me. Really? You know, yeah. And I. What do you mean by that? Uh, you, you've probably heard the term imposter syndrome. You know, where you you you're standing in a quote unquote group of people, and you just don't feel like you measure up. You know, you don't feel like you have what it takes. And so part of this was, um, you know, I, I've always been one to, you know, think at least on the lines of go big or go home. But at the same time, I lacked a lot of courage to sell, to make the phone calls, you know, to the, the major retail chains and, and get this product out there. And I think part of it was I, you know, I didn't know in a lot of ways what I didn't know. And therefore, that kind of hindered me. But at the same time, it was just a real confidence issue at the time. And so it took several years longer, really, than it might have needed to. Um, Yeah, I think the number one problem with most of us in general is the the man in the mirror. You know, it's getting, it's uh, it's setting fear aside and and taking that next step. So, What are you doing to rectify that? Yeah, so it's funny. When I, I was still working at Verizon, when I you know, launch this product, right? Well, at the time, I joined a, a, a men's entrepreneurial group. Uh, you know, you probably heard the term mastermind. And it was, that term was made famous, if you will, by... Uh, Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill, right. And and what, uh, so I joined a group called ISI, Iron Sharpens Iron. And this is about a year before I left Verizon. And so the, the groups you know, kind of main thrust is mutually assured success, right? So you have a board of directors for your business and kind of a band of brothers really for your personal life too. So we, we not only tackle the, the business, the day-to-day operations and, you know, getting things in place that, that help you to, you know, scale on a practical level, but then also we help each other deal with the man in the mirror. You know, it's um, so really based on the advice from the guys in my group, yeah, I decided to take the leap. And so this was at the end of 17. So in 2018, I was officially self-employed. And um, I, uh, I'm so grateful, you know, that I took that, that plunge. I mean, the first year doubled my income. And, really? And just was able to get after it. And part of it was is because I had, you know, systems and processes in place you know, to understand what those next steps are, again, on a practical level. But then I had the support system, you know, behind me. One of the things that kind of hit me early on, you know, when you think about it on a practical level, right, is Jesus and the 12 disciples. You know, he, some people think, well, Jesus needed a group of people to help him. Well, of course he didn't, right? I mean, he's God. He knew they needed each other. And um, so what's fascinating is, is, very, very quickly, um, I realized that I wasn't alone. So the life of a solopreneur can be pretty scary, pretty isolating. Yeah. And so to have a, you know, a band of brothers around me to fill in the gaps and to ask powerful questions and to pop bubbles and encourage me and all that kind of stuff was was really the difference maker in my success. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned support system. Like, what sort of support system did you have around you? 
So, you know, with regards to ISI, we, I mean, we meet every single week. And, um, and ISI is your mastermind? Yeah, yeah. So that, that has been the by far the biggest, um, uh, you know, I don't know, catalyst and blessing in my life to really to move the needle. And at the same time, honestly, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say my wife. You know, Lisa is, she does, you know, the books for our business. She helps us, you know, helps me with all the, uh, you know, shipping and receiving and things like that. So whereas I'm more of an idea big picture thinker mm-hmm. yeah um she is very organized and likes spreadsheets and and keeping me on task and that kind of thing so yeah describe for the listeners that don't know what a mastermind is yeah so in in a nutshell you know i guess i i like to paint the picture this way so if you are on your own there's a lot of gaps you know like I said earlier, you don't know what you don't know, and that alone is what actually tipped me, you know, kind of uh, over the scale, if you will, to just to jump in head first with these guys, mm-hmm. and because um, I was afraid, you know, the things that I didn't know would cause me to fail, mm-hmm. let alone understanding, you know, I've got a group of men who are coming alongside me that have chosen to care not only for me as an individual but for my family and for my business and the intentionality around you know guys that are just really forward thinking and into into uh, uh, personal growth and professional growth is um, I don't know it's really fascinating the, the saying that you become like the people you spend the most time with mm-hmm. I mean I think any parent would realize that's the truth, right? Because we are so careful at, at who we would encourage our kids to hang out with. Well, the same is true for us. So when you're hanging around people who are winning in areas that you might not be, mm-hmm. it's fascinating to see how you end up complementing each other. And um, and then, of course, you know, guys who are willing to pay for, a, you know, a pretty hefty monthly fee, if you will, to be a part of a group like that. They're literally putting their money where their mouth is because they want to grow. They want to move the needle and be, you know, successful. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, in the world's eyes, right? We often just think of that as money. But if you're in ISI, what I love about it is, is, you know, we talk about everything from, you know, your physical health to your spiritual health to your marriage, and then of course, you know, your your P and L. And it's so success if it's not holistic. You know, if your family's falling apart, but you're making a lot of money, are you a success? Well, no. And, and the, you know, the converse is true then. If you, if you can't provide for your family, and yet you feel like you have a great marriage and so on, you know, that's, that's a pretty tough place to be, you know, especially as a man who, you know, believes that, hey, I'm, I'm the leader of, of the OSC clan, and it's my job to set the tone and provide for for my, my people and uh, to raise them in a way that's uh, you know meaningful and so on so yeah the mastermind concept it sounds a little bit you know woohoo in some ways you know, it's, it, to a lot of people it's a foreign concept but it's it's uh, I think people in various cultures have been kind of masterminding for centuries right I mean if you think about like even the, the Jewish population they have a reputation of winning mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it is is because they help each other you know, they stick together and they want one another to win. So anyway, that's kind of the, the picture of it. How'd you find yours? You know, it was funny. One day I was looking at uh, Facebook and someone shared a video um, of a guy named Aaron Walker who was walking on the Greenway and he was just talking. And he just seemed like such a nice guy. But he was talking about important things. So over the course of a few weeks, I, I followed him and started listening to some of his uh, Green Wave videos. He'd be out walking in the morning, and he'd just turn on the camera and start talking about important things. Mm-hmm. And I was really taken aback by um, not only his, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, his humble presence, but at the same time, he seemed to have a lot of insights that, you know, that were inspiring to me. And, and talking about things that, you know, back to that, I don't know what I don't know. It was like n- literally new information that I, I started absorbing. 
and I uh, I was so taken aback by honestly just his humble presence. I, I sent him a message and I said, hey, I, I see you live in Hendersonville. Can I buy you lunch sometime you know next week? Well, the phone rang like 10 minutes later, and we ended up talking for a half an hour. We ended up getting together, and um, yeah, it was just kind of the, the start of a, a real very very new shift in my life so Aaron was uh, most people know who Dave Ramsey is you yeah. know the financial yep. Yep. guru and Aaron was actually in Dave's mastermind the Eagle group for I think 20 years and um, so then he started ISI and we now have 150 men from eight different countries in that group and I'm actually facilitating two of those groups and I love it I feel like I found my people Really? Yeah, yeah. They're just just awesome guys. Yeah. So, if someone's interested, if, if what you were talking about in that group, how do you yeah. how do you recommend they find a group? So here's what's fascinating: is there's mastermind groups all over the country, and they're popping up like crazy because people, especially solopreneurs, you know, guys running small businesses and so on, realize that you know when you're isolated, it just breeds non-success so I would say you know if look online in your area and and see you know who yeah who in your area might lead a group like that here's a fascinating paradigm though so one thing that I think is neat with ISI is that you know these guys most of them don't live near me I've got a couple of guys in my group you know that are out in California and Oregon um, Florida and here's something that's kind of telling so we talk about really deep stuff. Some stuff that's really, I mean, incredibly personal. And to have men that you do life with on a very deep level who are not in your community actually is a, um, it feels safer. You know, if you're not, you're not going to, you know, when you share some things in your, in your life that are, you know, that could be just real sensitive you probably aren't going to run into this person at church or at the grocery store or, you know, even their, their wife or something like that. So there's a little bit of psychological safety in the fact that these guys don't live close to me. So I like the idea of a mastermind that is, um, you know, where the men are, are spread out a bit. Yeah. So how's business with the combination lock for for thermostats Man, commercial spaces and I tell you such. what it, you know I'm, I'm so grateful uh, truth be told in 18 you know things started going really well 19 I'm like holy yeah holy smokes I'm, I'm you know pun intended I'm like this is this is just better than I thought it could be well then of course COVID hit and you know the world shut down so my product is mainly a commercial product right you're gonna you'll find it in offices and restaurants and you know things like that where you don't want people tampering with thermostats and there's you know typically a lot of people you know, some people buy them for their homes and things like that but very so few. the kids don't touch it or the, right. or, or, the, or the husband doesn't touch it for <laughs> yeah, the wife exactly yeah my mom and dad fought like crazy over the temperature mom was always cold and you know dad was sweating laying in bed and but um you know, it was interesting when, when COVID hit, of course, the world shut down. So two things happened there. Of course, people stopped, you know, purchasing my product on a major level. We went from selling several thousand units a month. And I think in that first, you know, week when life really started getting slow, we dropped down to a couple of hundred. And at that point, honestly, I was thinking, man, I, my business might be done. Um, and then some other challenges came up with regards to even getting inventory. You know, because the chain. ports, you know, supply chain was just hammered, and it still is. We're, you know, even was it last week, Shanghai shut down their port, and um, and of course you've heard the, you know, the horror stories in you know Port of Los Angeles where there's ships sitting out in the ocean for nine months because they just can't get into port to unload. So that was that's been a a very very real problem, and um, I'm really grateful. We ended up we've been in Home Depot for I guess five years, which to me honestly was just this wonderful you know pipe dream. And then yeah, so right before COVID, I actually started courting Lowe's, and they said yes. And then of course COVID hit, and uh, they went dark. So. Last fall, I got a message um, that they wanted to start the conversation back up. 
And um, they said yes, and we ended up landing in uh, 1,700 Lowe's stores last month. So I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity. I'm, I'm, and when I say my business is small, you know, we're running this out of my house, right? Yeah. It's very small. Yeah. And we, we have a, a partner in California that handles our distribution and so on. But with regards to sales and even some smaller drop shipping and so on, you know, that's stuff that we're, you know, we're just bootstrapping it still. So I'm super grateful for the, for the opportunity. But, uh, yeah, it's been a heck of a roller coaster ride, too. What's the dream for the business? So uh, it, it's fascinating because for the last couple of years, I've wanted to launch. Um, so I trademarked the name StatGuard Plus. And um, so I'm launching what we're probably going to call the StatGuard Pro or the Lockbox Pro. So the vision here in the next probably three or four months is to launch a a pro unit, if you will, to the pro channel, meaning HVAC supply houses, electrical supply houses, restaurant supply houses, and things like that. And the reason that we want a unique product for that channel is, is because they're demanding it, meaning they do not want to compete, of course, with big box or retail. They want a unique product. And, um, and I don't blame them, right? It's, uh, they have a, a channel that they, you know, some of these businesses, businesses, of course, have served for decades and decades. But they do that well because they have unique products. And um, so we're really trying to help them and, of course, help ourselves stay in that lane. So I'm pretty excited about the rest of this year because that, when the StatGuard Pro is launched, it's going to be really fun just to you know, to get it out there to those distributors and so on. So what, yeah. what's the difference between, between the pro and the plus? Yeah. So the one that we just launched in Lowe's, um, of course is a, a combination lock. What's neat about that one is, is the, in, in order to change the combination code, all you got to do is switch a little tab on the back. So you open it, switch the tab, change your code, you know, from A to B and switch it back to A and you're rocking and rolling. So the pro unit is actually going to have that capability plus have a key option so if you you know you picture in a facilities management situation you've got you know just say you've got a a retail store with a manager and you know three assistant managers you'll be able to share the code with ever you know whoever you want you know to open that and have access to it but if you know if someone uh, or a group of people end up leaving the company right or get fired and no one knows what that code is they can reset it. They can reset it. Open it with the key, reset the code, and then, of course, you know, give that information to whoever they want to have access to that. It's fascinating. The, um, the, in a, even in a 2,000-square-foot retail you know, setting, what we're finding is, is a one- or two-degree difference in a store you know, can, especially if you, you, know, and you think about the, you know, the, the temperature swings and, you know, winter to summer it can cause a massive shift in a budget you know so if you if you jump your your stat from 72 to 74 in the winter in minnesota you know get ready to see your energy bill rise that two degrees makes a difference let alone of course if you're like my mom and she wants it 78 degrees all the time and uh and so on but so a, a lot of it is is you know just in general people just jacking around with a thermostat right but it's also a budget decision to make sure that no yeah. one else is spending your dollars that type of thing so what's the goals for your life goals for my life like, man. Where, like where do you want to go i mean yeah you, you got this i knowing you as much as i do there's got to be something more beyond that that yeah. you're like oh, that's that's you know what's really fascinating is is in the last couple of years after joining isi and um, about two years ago, I went through, um, so there's a psychologist who's an ISI named uh, Dr. Andy Garrett. Um, he lives out in um, California. Oddly enough, his grandfather is the one who started the Carl's Jr. burger chain, Carl Karcher. And um, so Dr. Garrett is a clinical psychologist, but he actually put together a program called the True North Blueprint, and it helps people build self-awareness. So in essence, it helps you ask the question, who are you and what is your purpose? Which seems, again, on face value, oh, for heaven's sakes, a lot of people hear that and they kind of roll their eyes. Over the last two years, I've been doing a lot of deep work in that area and realizing, you know, for instance, the word authenticity. 
often gets overused and, and misused, really. So that word, of course, comes from the word author. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so what's been authored in me? Um, what's been authored in you? What makes us unique? Why am I different from you? We like to think, especially in America, that we get to choose everything, right? We're at land of the free, home of the brave. What's fascinating with authenticity, and I didn't realize this until recently, is, is that you know, not only did I not choose my eye color, I didn't choose my taste buds. And in fact, I didn't even choose my personality. You know, those of us who have kids, right, they, are, they come out of the gate incredibly different, very hardwired. And um, so, which I think is honestly just to the glory of God. You know, he, he, he made us, he authored us and made us very unique. And um, so when you understand, you know, what's been authored in me, for instance, core values, right? Uh, I think there's a, according to psychologists, there's, um, I think, a potential of around 80. So on a very basic level, what does my core value, if you and I were to sit and, and choose the top five core values, yours would be different than mine. That is your decision-making, you know, matrix for life. And mine are different. There's a hierarchy of those things that, you know, that we, uh, that are established in us. And of course, authenticity is tied to the word identity, right? Well, what do you identify with? And what's fascinating, growing up, I'll be honest, my framework, and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of guys listening to this can identify with this, is I was desperate and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was desperate to become somebody. Or at the very least, you know, not be a nobody. Well, to me at the time, that meant I needed accomplishments. I needed to swing for the fence, hit, you know, hit some things out of the park so that people would look at me and say that I'm a somebody. That kind of thing. And um, so the fascinating thing is, is the, the identity piece as I've been shifting gears here recently is, is now that I know, you know who I am, the vocabulary to describe the most powerful, precious, courageous things in me, the things that give my goosebumps goosebumps, right? That kind of stuff. What makes me different from you? I'm no longer looking for other people's approval. I'm very, very intrinsically motivated and I know what impact I want to have in every single room that I'm in. There's no question mark inside of me or over my head. So after going through the, the blueprint, you asked me, you know, what's the vision for the rest of my life? I'll be honest with you. I, I, I feel like I'm a passionate creative, you know, kind of on, on a very basic level. But at the same time, I love the fact that I've built a business that's kind of self-sustaining and, you know, kind of pays the bills as it were, right? But uh, Dr. Andy and I are actually launching on a very large scale now this authentic blueprint, the True North blueprint, to help people identify those things inside of them that are most powerful, precious, and courageous, right? What is it that motivates you? What impact do you want to have in this world? And, you know, I forget who said it, but, you know, the dent in the universe, right? It's, I want to see the David Osk-shaped dent in the universe, so some of the things that I've identified in myself are I love encouraging people. I love helping people identify those things in them that are beautiful, that are powerful. And um, I, I told somebody the other day, I said, I, said, I think I'm, I might be the best encourager the world has ever seen. And what I mean by that is, is it's not fluff, right? I'm not a cheerleader. If someone shares with me and identifies something about themselves that I think is true, I love to validate that and just honor that and help them to become, you know, the, the most fulfilled and finest version of themselves, but do it in a way that's very intrinsically motivating as opposed to, you know, wanting someone else's approval. And that's a big shift. And I didn't realize how big of a shift it was until I, I started doing some of that work. So anyway, I, I think that you know, my highest good, my summum bonum would be that, would be helping people identify those things that are most precious to them so that, you know, they have certainty in their life. Uh, an example of this would be, you know, like I'm a dad, you know, Parker's uh, 17, uh, Kate is 15. And 
my goal now as a father is to remove as much uncertainty in our home as I possibly can, right? Um, to be solid, not only in myself, but then to identify those things that are a clear yes in my family, mm. a clear no in my family, mm. right? We're not, we're not just getting up in the morning, you know, licking our fingers and hoping, you know, the wind blows us in a better direction. We know exactly where we're going. We know exactly the things that we, that we value, the impact that we want to have as a family, things that we say, uh, you know, to one another. And then also, of course, when people enter our home, you know, what, what is that? You know, what is, is it just, oh, we're here to grill burgers and, you know, talk about silly things. Well, sometimes that's fine. But at the same time, I, I really want people to, um, to feel inspired when they leave my presence. Mm. I love the word, you know, inspiration. It means to breathe life into. And um, the fascinating thing is, is now that I, you know, I think I've been operating, um, you know, in that way my whole life. But the neat thing is, is now that I've actually put a vocabulary to it and I identified, you know, exactly kind of, you know, what's authored in me, the way that I roll naturally, I'm able then to even have, you know, an impact with people that, that I meet selling thermostat guards you know for instance I got a call from a guy um, I guess it was in January and oddly enough he bought a, a stat guard for his home and um, he called me and he said he said hey I'm having a hard time here with this thing he said my son keeps figuring out what the code you know the combo is and I'm like really I said tell me more about that and he said I've changed it five times and he somehow figures it out and I think he's been choosing numbers that, you know, his son can guess that are, that, so he won't forget, right? Last three digits of your cell phone number, or your social yeah. security, or your birthday, things like that. So the longer that I spoke to him, I said, you know, my stat guard, I said, is, is like a fence in your backyard. You know, it makes a better neighbor, that kind of thing. And I said, can I challenge you on something? I said, I don't think you have a thermostat guard problem. I said, I think you have a son problem and you need to have a conversation with him. You know, that's, that's maybe a, a, a bit tough. And it got really quiet. And I, I could tell that I, I kind of, you know, struck a nerve in some way. And his voice got very weak. And, um, and he said, yeah, that's a tough one. And I said, uh, his name was Charles. And I said, Charles, tell me more about that. And he said, well, he said, my son struggles with depression. He's 32 years old and he's still living in our basement. And um, he's attempted suicide twice. And I'm afraid that, you know, if I push him on this, that, uh, you know, yeah. And, and he, he actually, he never even finished that sentence. You know, I could tell that he was, you know, on the, on the verge of tears. And so what was fascinating in that moment, I got to have the David Osk impact, right, that I wanted to have. I don't know this guy. I don't know the, the entire situation. But I could tell right then, right, that this man loved his boy. And at 32 years old, he probably was a bit of a boy, not a man yet, right? He had a lot going on there. And um, by the end of that conversation, we ended up praying together and, um, and I think I was able to encourage him that, you know, his power bill probably wasn't that important. Loving his son was. And, and entering into a, a deeper space with his boy. Mm. Getting messy with him, right? Mm. Sharing, uh, sharing his own struggles with his son. We, we talked. I mean, it went deep. And um, I'll be honest, I think that when I started this company... I probably would have wanted to help that man, right? I wanted, I would, I would have wanted to love him, and I probably would have, would have in some way, but because, you know, I, I have a more courage and more quote unquote permission to be me, I was able to enter into a much better conversation with him, um, and to validate some things in him that are, that are just great. You know, he's a great dad, and he loves his son, and his son is having a really hard time. And since then, we've talked three times. Hmm. Isn't that fascinating? All through buying, yeah, a thermostat cover from you. Yeah, he, he yeah. Anyway, I've had several moments like that in the last few years, running a thermostat guard business. But again, that's a context, right? I don't care if I'm selling, 
you know, toilet seats, right? I happen to 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 have a product that is just a better mousetrap, and I'm grateful beyond measure that it, you know, it has value in the marketplace. But again, back to your question, what does the rest of my life look like? Yeah, man, I, I want to have conversations like that. I want to help men and women, for that matter, identify those things inside of them, those things that have been authored in them by their maker so that they can lay hold of those things and almost, you know, you know, get like have more permission just to be themselves. And it's not necessarily people who are just going through a hard time, right? It's people that that have so much gifting and so much passion and so much ability, but yet they lack that self-awareness to be able to rise up, swing for the fence, you know, throw their head back and run. And that was my story. That was my story. So, yeah, I want to I want to do more of that. David Osk, let's get to rapid fire questions. <laughs> All right. Hey everyone, we all know that the Holy Smokes community is 5000 plus and growing, and we have more than a handful of Holy Smokers within the community that have podcasts. And so, today I wanted to feature one of our members, Kevin East in Tyler, Texas. Over the past few decades, much has been said and written about leadership, but I don't think enough has been said or written about followership. I believe great leaders are also great followers. So whether you're leading an organization or just leading within the context of your home, following Jesus impacts every aspect of your life. I'm Kevin East, the CEO of Mentoring Alliance, as well as a dad of five. And I invite you to check out my podcast, Following to Lead, where you're here from business leaders, pastors, authors, speakers, and parents about how following Jesus shapes and guides our lives and how it can impact yours. Check out Following to Lead in your favorite podcast app. So be sure to check out Following to Lead with Kevin East. And if you have a podcast and you want it to be featured here on the Holy Smokes podcast, be sure to reach out to me and we'll consider airing it. Thanks. Rapid fire. Fire. Here. I don't think I started the podcast asking the question, what you smoking? What were you smoking? Man, I've got a Perdomo here. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big sucker for the Perdomos. I, I end up, if I find a, a stick that I like, I, I keep going back to it. It's kind of like, I'm the same, I'm, same thing at a restaurant. You know, if I find something I like, I keep going back to it. <laughs> yeah, I love Perdomos. Where did you first try cigars or pipe? So, you know what? This was actually... Uh, kind of a fun story. So I was actually in a quartet in high school. We, we thought we were really cool. Our, our group name was Half Eternity, which is, you know, of course, an oxymoron. And so the guys in, in that group were, and they still are dear friends, but we would uh, get someone else, of course, you know, because we were like 15 years old to go buy the Swisher Sweets at the gas station. And then we'd go sit out, you know, in some field or at the golf course at night and smoke Swisher Sweets. And, um, but I probably didn't really pick up, um, you know, true cigar smoking until maybe 10 years ago. So I'm 48 now, so probably in my late 30s, you know, when I really started to understand, you know, what a good cigar was. <laughs> Have you ever done pipe? Yeah, yeah. My, in fact, I remember my dad smoking a pipe growing up, so once in a while I'd take a, a few tokes off of his, right? But about a year ago, my buddy Zach bought a pipe for me and um, I've probably smoked it maybe 10 times and of course you know the scent of a pipe tobacco is just ridiculous Mm -hmm. and at the same time I think I I probably enjoy a cigar more probably just because it's maybe just a little bit easier you know not as much work that kind of thing that's pretty uh, much universally the right (laughs) the consensus yeah people they ask that question (laughs) favorite cigar Perdomos? Um, you know, you have one that's even... it's, at the, it's at the top of the list. I'll be honest. I, you know, CAO used to be uh, made here in Nashville. Really? And they, got, they got bought out probably, really? I'm guessing, 10 years ago. But yeah. I really, really love CAOs. I've never had a bad one. Perdomos are great. I used to go to church with a, a neurologist. And uh, his vendors, he had his own practice. His vendors would bring in, like, you know, sticks that they, you know, smuggled in from Cuba and things like that. So... I think the best one I've ever had was the Monte Cristo A from Cuba. 
So, yeah. Best dollar for dollar cigar. Man. Um, you know what's interesting is, is I've been buying really for about 10 years the JR brand. Uh, and they've got a, you know, their, their house brand. And they, I think one's called the limited edition. And if you buy, a, you know, a pack of those, they end up being like four bucks a piece or something like that. But I think, yeah, dollar for dollar, the limited edition JRs, I love. They're great. What's your splurge cigar? <laughs> You're celebrating. Yeah, man. One. I've had a couple of Davidoffs, you know, and they're, uh, you know, 25 bucks or something. Yeah. But I'll be honest, I, I mean, they're great sticks, but I'm, uh, I'm, my favorite one is this, uh, actually, I think it's the one you're smoking right now. Yeah, the 20th anniversary Perdomo. I love it. I don't even remember where I got this. I think someone probably gifted it to me. Yeah, yeah. I pulled it out of the humidor getting ready to head oh. here, and I was like, I think it's time I smoke this one. That's a good one. Where's your go-to place to get your smokes? So there's a place in Hendersonville uh, called the Smoky Cigar on Indian Lake Boulevard. And, man, I, I go in there three or four times a month. I got a lot of friends here in Franklin, so we, you know, we'll go to Franklin Cigar or here at Crown, too. So, Favorite liquid pairing with your smoke? Oh, man. So it's actually a new one. I, I had uh, my brother bought me a bottle of the Jack Daniels 27 about a year ago. And that was my favorite. But now... He bought me, my birthday was a few weeks ago, and he bought me the Angel's Envy Rye, and that is fantastic. Although, hold on, there's a, a buddy came over the other night, and he had one called Smoke Wagon that I'd never had. It's a small batch bourbon, and oh man, that, that was fantastic. Yeah. Most interesting person you've ever met through cigars. Wow. So... I suppose it's been a month or so ago. We were down at Jamie Slingerland's house here in Franklin, and Kay was there. And I met a guy there who was uh, Aaron Spradlin. He's in Holy Smokes. He was leaving the next day to go to the Ukraine to smuggle children out of the Ukraine. And honestly, I, I need to I need to find him again because we actually prayed for him that day. Hmm. And um, to me, that is... He's that guy's fascinating. Best place you've ever smoked. Okay, so I, I got to. I went to. I'm a golfer, so I went to uh, St Andrews mm. uh, to see the the Open um, about five years ago, and um, uh, right off of 18, the beach there is where they filmed, uh, you know, the movie Chariots of Fire when when he's running on the beach, and I sat out there and, and had a stick looking at the North Sea, and that was. That was awesome. <laughs> most, I, I would assume that's probably your most memorable cigar yeah, totally. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Marvel or DC? Oh, man. I love Superman, but I would say DC. I'm sorry, uh, Marvel. Yeah, when... Uh, what's the movie that has the little uh, raccoon in it that came out with... Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, for heaven's sakes. Rocket. These guys... I mean, it, you mix like total rock star ability with a bunch of humor and I'm in yeah favorite superhero as a kid and then now you know it's probably Superman yeah I, I just I love the idea of flying and and uh, and shooting laser beams out of my eyes and melting things that's pretty bad eh <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek Oh, gosh. So, probably Star Wars. Although, I love the latest um, Star Treks with Chris Pine in them. They're really, really well done. But, um, yeah, Star Wars is probably just slightly ahead. Favorite food? Uh, Mexican. I like a good uh, hot salsa. Got some sports teams you're into? You know, I, I grew up... Uh, of course, in Minnesota, being a Vikings fan, and then got into the Chicago Bulls when I was in in college. And um, at the same time, I man, I've not really followed a whole lot of sports except for golf. I'm, I just, if I can watch a golf you know round on TV or you know go live to a tournament, I'm there. Who's your favorite golfer right now? Oh gosh, this this is a little bit probably a little tacky, but I like Justin Thomas, and the reason is is because because <laughs> because of his mouth. 
he says the craziest stinking stuff on camera. And, you know, he's swearing at the ball. And I saw a guy's hat the other day that says, I golf, therefore I swear. <laughs> and, of course, you know, you get onto the golf course and it's maddening. Yeah. But that guy just, I mean, he's an amazing golfer, but then he just seems like a real dude. How'd you get into golf? My brother, actually. So he was four years older than me and on the golf team and, and still just a phenomenal golfer. But, you know, I wanted to be like my older brother. So, yeah. Mm. Dogs, cats, neither, or both? We've got three dogs and one cat. And um, but my, my favorite, we've got a, uh, a Silky and a Yorkie in the house. And they've got so much personality and they're a lot of fun. Nickname growing up or in college? Pete. So it's literally in the yearbook. My, my sister's friend thought that my name was Pete Osk. And um, my dad is David Sr. And um, so yeah. it was kind of an easy one. A friend of my, actually my mom had a nickname for me growing up that was something in German. And the, our nanny actually picked up on that. Well, then my siblings started calling me Pete. And then all of my friends picked up on it and it just stuck. So, yeah. <laughs> What's one unusual fact that few people know about you? An unusual fact. Um, so, you know what? Being a creative, again, I, I just, I love creating things. Um, probably, I, I had my first, well, first and only, actually, children's book published about three years ago. Really? Um, about two British mice named Fire and Ice. So, yeah. Are you a reader? Yeah, I'm, I'm more audible, honestly. I, I'm, I'm always listening to, like, audiobooks when I'm driving or even at the gym most people are cranking some crazy tunes and I'm listening to you know yeah some audible books what the types of books you listen to well recently especially being an ISI you know there're books on uh, you know vision and you know setting goals and you know creating better habits in your life and things like that so I love personal growth what are some of the latest ones that have really made an impact on you or even all time you know what best ones okay so I'll, the first one that came to mind was there's a there's a guy here in town named chris kelso and he wrote the book overcoming the imposter so someone gave me that book i read it i couldn't put it down and i sent him a message on his website and i said if you're ever in nashville you know give me a call i didn't know where he lived well he responded back right away i live in nashville you know go figure so many authors here Anyway, we ended up having lunch and hanging out a little bit, but just a fantastic read. That's cool. If you could be any animal, what would you be? Oh, man. Probably like a white Siberian tiger or something like that. Ooh. Yeah. What's the best type of cheese? Cheese. <laughs> Smoked Gouda. Ooh. All day. It's the second Gouda I've gotten today in these interviews. <laughs> Are you an early riser, a night owl, or normal? No, it's like a joke in our family. I'm up by 4.30 or 5 every morning, and I go to bed about 8.30. It's another reason why, even early on in you know, moving to Nashville for music, everybody wanted to get started you know, doing writing sessions at you know, 10 p.m. And I'm like, man, that's an hour past my bedtime. So, yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> if you could live anywhere, where would you live? Oh man, I'll be honest. I really love um, I love London. Um, I've only been there one time, just a few years back, and I loved everything about it. Yeah. What culture other than your own do you find most fascinating? Oh, oh that's a great question. Um, hmm. You know what's interesting is is I so I studied a lot of Italian music when I was you know taking voice lessons in college and so on, and we're actually going to Italy here in about three weeks, and so we've done you know of course over the years I've had a lot of uh, influences in Italian and, and things like that, but I I I'm really I guess right now most excited about experiencing that culture firsthand. I've been wanting to go for years, and my daughter plays the violin, and she her, her school is doing a tour there, so we're going to Italy, and I actually get to sing with that group, too, so I'm super excited about that. It's a beautiful country. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I want to go back so bad. Mm. 
What's your greatest strength and what's your greatest weakness? So strength, I would I would say, would be in, inspiring or encouraging. You know, to breathe life into somebody, but to do it in a way that's really authentic and meaningful. Weakness, probably the shiny object syndrome. You know, I can get sidetracked in something that seems exciting and take my eye off the ball in a real hurry. So I got to be mindful of that. Who's been the greatest influence in your life? Um, wow. You know, I, I mean, I, I would say outside of my wife, um, probably my sister. She, uh, and I'll get choked up even thinking about it, but even since I was very young, I love the word for, F-O-R. Uh, in fact, I think it's the best gift you can give anybody by being for them, right? When you know someone is for you, no matter what, yeah, that is powerful. And, and Kirsten has been for me every single day of my life and in, in such tangible ways. Um, she's one of the, man, one of the finest people I've, I've ever met and I get to call her my sister. Mm. Who's the first person you think of when you hear the word successful? Mm. <laughs> you know, so besides Kirsten, honestly, I would say my buddy David Ash. So he and I joined ISI the same day. So, you know, my last name is A-S-K, Osk. And, they, and we, we happened to join ISI the same day. They got our paperwork kind of messed up and they thought it was a typo and all that kind of stuff. But this is a guy who, who lives, he's an attorney, lives in Jackson, Mississippi, has five beautiful children, a beautiful wife, an attorney who lives in a camper. It's a really nice one but they do life on the road. And he is uh, uh, a bright light wherever he goes, mm. successful in his family, I mean, in, in really in every single way, and just a, a wonderful human being. What do you do for self-care, to rest, to recharge? Yeah, that's something I've been learning more about, honestly, just in the last couple of years here. So um, my, I'm even lately, I you know, this last year I've been, going to the Y and just lifting, getting back into pushing some weight. And then I love journaling. I like to, uh, I like just to listen and, and write what I feel maybe God is telling me or what, what needs to come out. If you were arrested with no explanation, what would your friends and family think you've done? Oh gosh, probably speeding. <laughs> what does Holy Smokes mean to you and how has it contributed to your spiritual journey? Wow, you know what was interesting is is so when I was invited to this group by my buddy John Bogus, he lives in Orlando. On the outset, I thought it was just going to be, you know, just kind of a fun social media, you know, type group. Mm-hmm. And what I have found are some of the most uh, man capable and deep and uh, forward-thinking guys, you know, that uh, yeah, that I. Yeah, I'm just really surprised at the caliber of people that Holy Smokes has drawn. And spiritually, you know, probably not a ton. You know, I feel pretty dialed in, you know, in that way. But again, the influence to have met some of these guys that are, you know, really kicking butt in life and at the same time know that they're, they know their need, right? They know their need. Hmm. And they know who... Uh, is the provider, the mm. ultimate provider, and that it's just is a great reminder to, you know, just to <laughs> to stand at the foot of the cross next to them, you know, and look up. If you could have a holy smoke with any three people throughout history, living or deceased, who would they be? Can't name Jesus. Okay, Abraham Lincoln. Ooh. We homeschool our kids, kind of part time, uh, a hybrid version, but. This last year we did a, a whole study on Lincoln, and what a fascinating man. So Lincoln, probably Elon Musk, honestly, just recently with all this you know, stuff he's been up to. Fascinating personality. And um, honestly, my, my brother-in-law, Victor, so Kirsten's husband, he actually passed away oh, uh, from leukemia about four years ago. And um, he would never smoke a cigar with me, but I'd like to sit with him and smoke a cigar and talk about good stuff. I miss him, miss him deeply. Mm. All right. If we're to meet one year from today, 
and I have a bottle of that bourbon that you showed me a picture of. What was that <laughs> stuff called? Uh, smoke, what was it here? Smoke wagon? Smoke yeah, wagon. smoke wagon. Smoke wagon. What are we celebrating? Man. Hmm. Wow, what a great question. You know, the first thing I thought of, honestly, was like, you know, a business success. And knowing what I know about your story, by the way, I, I would hope that you and I are celebrating deeper peace. Hmm. And, and at the same time, you know, knowing that, you know, we both follow the author and the finisher, right? And things happen in our lives for a reason. I would hope that we would be celebrating deeper awareness of why God has allowed hard things to happen in our lives and to see the fruit of that. And I've never used it before. Thank you. David Osk, thanks for being on the Holy Smokes Podcast. Pleasure. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I wanted to announce that we have Holy Smokes gear. That's right. We have swag. We currently have hats, shirts, stickers, like for your vehicle or your travel humidor, magnets, even branded bourbon glasses for a limited time. Go to holysmokes.club and click on the shop tab. That's holysmokes.club. I'm super proud of the shirts. They're made with Bella Canvas shirts that are soft and incredibly comfortable. The hats fit wonderfully, which can be a problem for those of us with big noggins. We plan on having a lot more to offer, like Guayabara shirts, additional t-shirt designs, beanies, polos, hoodies, cigar accessories, and much more. Check it out. And even if you don't make a purchase now, be sure to sign up for that email list, as I've thrown a couple big discount coupon codes for those exclusively on that list. So click the shop tab at holysmokes.club. Thanks. Thanks.